Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25. All right. Week number nine of Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. Hope you're enjoying the show. A lot to talk about today. Going to talk a little bit about Joe Biden's reversal. Going to talk about Trump in Europe and his fake deal with Mexico. Got a great interview with Ellis Hennigan. Uh, you know Ellis, he's a columnist. He's written a lot of books on politics, worked with a lot of people on both sides of the aisle. So let's do it. Here we go. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the votes. Not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. Where to start? Where to start, America? It is one of those weeks where you just have your choice of insanity. Uh, We talked a little bit last week on the pod about the president's tariffs that he was going to place on imports from Mexico, which of course would have raised prices on your produce, on your cars, on your television sets. Uh, conservatives like to pretend that they don't know who pays for tariffs. They're trying to make it seem like Mexico would be paying for these tariffs, which is just not the case. Not the case at all. Um, you know, when tariffs happen, you pay for the increased cost of your car, of your avocado. You know, you want to pay $2. You don't like paying $2 for a side of guac. How about 3 that's what would have happened had these tariffs uh, gone into to effect. And I was on uh, Justice with Judge Janine on Saturday night. You might have seen me talking about, oh, the, the, they were the conservatives like, oh, the president struck a deal. They, he didn't strike a deal. He took whatever was lying around and he claimed victory. He claimed victory like we said he would. I mean, this is who he is, right? The, so the Republicans in the Senate said, hey, you know, uh, don't attack the money. Right. Because the the conservatives in 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 Congress, at least they're consistent about one thing. They love money. Right. So they saw that putting this tariff, which would have been a tax. And I called it the Trump tax, the Trump tariff tax. 
on goods coming across the border, goods that are sometimes assembled in the United States. You know, since NAFTA, uh, U.S. companies have opened plants in Mexico. Those plants have sister plants in the United States. And Parts are sometimes manufactured in one country and then sent to the other country for assemblage. They might be then sent back to the uh, to, to Mexico or to the United States or vice versa for packaging. There's all sorts of trade between the two countries that would have been stymied by Trump's tariff tax. So the Republicans backed him off. The president knew that Congress was going to push back on this. So he's like, okay, what do I got to do to pretend I had a victory? So what he did was... He took some stuff that was lying around since December, including this fake National Guard that Mexico has. You know, the the president says Mexico is sending 6,000 troops to the the border. In December, outgoing Homeland Security Secretary Kristen Nielsen, or as I used to call her, Ms. Hannigan, had a deal with Mexico where they were going to put 6,000 troops not even, maybe, I think it was 5,000 troops. The president might have gotten them to go up to 6,000, but here's the thing. Those troops don't even exist yet. They were Mexican's National Guard, which hasn't yet been formed. They are still being trained. They've only been exi- in existence for one month. And they were being formed to fight Mexico's own drug cartel problem. So now... We're going to send, uh, or Mexico is going to send 6,000 troops to the border, which, you know, 6,000 National Guards troops who aren't trained yet. So I guess when they get out of training in a couple of months, they'll go to the border. And that might increase their own drug problem within their country. Now you've got these poor migrants coming into Mexico, which might have a worse problem because the president's deal sent all their National Guard troops meant to fight Mexico's own drug cartels to the border. So, you know, let's see how that works. Mexico is also promising to allow some of these people to stay there while they seek asylum. All this stuff had been negotiated weeks ago, America. President had no deal. The president needed to save face. And that's what he's doing. And now conservatives are saying, look at how brilliant he is. He, he used tariffs. Knock it off. In fact, the president said 90 days from now, he might revisit tariffs if the border flow hasn't changed. And yeah, there are a lot of people coming over the border under Trump's watch. He has failed on his primary pledge. And I'm tired of hearing him say that it's Congress's fault. He had control of Congress, the presidency, and the courts for two years and did nothing about this because he'd rather have the issue to you know, rail against immigration going into the election to rile up the racist factions within his base. And I'm not calling everybody who supports Trump a racist. I am saying, though, that his margin of victory looks a lot like a racist faction to me, at least in 2016. We'll see if that margin of victory remains in uh, 2020. So it's a fraud like everything else about this guy. But let's talk a little bit about 2020. We've got new polls out in Iowa that show the race tightening. Basically a three-way tie for second between Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Pete Buttigieg. I, I got to think that Elizabeth Warren is coming on strong in Iowa because she really does have plans, right? I mean, uh, you know, Bernie, Bernie uh, Sanders has a lot of ideas that I think that a lot of progressive voters support. Obviously, universal health care, affordable college tuition, you know, really, he wants free public private uh, public education, which I support, too. I, I think that, you know, I'm like I said, I today is the 20 year anniversary of me graduating from St. John's University School of Law, and I still have 11 years left to go on my law student law school student loan, five hundred dollars a month. And yeah, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren's plan would erase debt for people, wouldn't erase my debt. I unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, can afford it. I I wish that that plan would have been there the first uh, 10 years of my career when I would have fallen into that category. But here we are, uh, you know, in the next 10 years, hopefully I maintain a status where I don't fall into that uh, loan forgiveness. Between my wife and I, it's $1,000 a month. I think my wife has less than 10 years to go. I have about 11 years to go on my law school student loan. Um, Sucks. Hate paying it. But, you know, you look at Elizabeth Warren, she has detailed white paper and plans 
on everything she says she's going to do, which is why I think she's surging in Iowa. You know, Iowa is where you got to just meet the voters. It's a retail politics state. They expect you to show up at their coffee shops, at their houses, at their civic meetings. And Elizabeth Warren is there. And if you notice, Joe Biden, who still has the lead in Iowa, has fallen eight points. And it's not because of his position on the Hyde Amendment. This poll was in the field when that whole controversy started. And I'll talk about that for a minute as well. But no, I think it's because he's not spending enough time there. And he's not meeting the voters and he's not coming out with detailed plans like Elizabeth Warren does. And when he does come up with detailed plans, he's being accused of plagiarism. Now, America, I'm sure that Vice President Biden was not sitting down at his word processor plagiarizing some plan. It it was sloppy staff work, frankly, and that needs to change. They should have footnoted it or they should have said, hey, here's, you know, we agree with this plan and this is going to be our plan substantially. But they didn't do that. It's sloppy. And when you're the front runner and you're raising money hand over fist, like we appear, which we're hearing he is, you need to be better at that. You need to be much more careful uh, at that. But you've got Buttigieg and you've got Warren chipping into both Sanders and Biden's lead because of their ground game in Iowa. So they're looking very good in those polls. And as I've said before, America, Iowa is going to matter this year. It's going to matter a lot. California's primary is just a month after Iowa. And they start their early voting the day of the Iowa caucuses. So a win in in Iowa is vital uh, to both uh, California and the other Super Tuesday states and South Carolina, like it was for Obama. So whoever comes out of Iowa strong, I think is probably going to be, I think you got to be in the top two in Iowa to uh, be a contender in the Democratic primary. I'm not as sure as some people, I'm not as sure as even I was a couple of weeks ago that we're going to have a contested convention, but that would be fun, right? And, you know, another thing, I I hear that Trump's going to kick off his campaign this week. Uh, You know, Mike Pence is not going to be his vice president. And let me put a marker down right now. I've been saying this on national television, and if you're new to my commentary, let me put a marker down right now Mike Pence will not be the president's running mate. And here's why. The president, if he is nothing, he is a showman. He understands show business. And, you know, what would get better ratings at the convention than suspense over who will be the president's running mate? And I don't think you could have suspense that the president's going to be, you know, going to change his running mate and keep Mike Pence dangling in the wind. Now, of course, Mike Pence will lap it up and dangle in the wind because he's just a little sheep. But I think that the president's going to pick a Nikki Haley type. Maybe Nikki Haley herself to be his running mate. I think that actually would be a good political move for him. But it would obviously create ratings. And especially if the Democrats wind up with a contested convention, a contested convention would get tons of viewership. It would get huge ratings. People would be interested in it because it wouldn't just be a show for the nominee. There would be some real drama. So the president's going to have to create drama of his own. Sorry, Mike. You're out. You're done. You're fired. You're fired. And I think that's what's going to happen. But let me talk a little bit about Joe Biden's waffle last week, his flip-flop on the Hyde Amendment. And why, you know, look, it's the right thing that he's come out now against the Hyde Amendment because the Hyde Amendment for years kept the peace between people on the far right and people on the left, at least in Washington, when it came to abortion, issues of choice. Used to be that Republicans weren't going full bore after Roe v. Wade. And now we see that they are. We talked about this last week with the Alabama law, and there's a similar law law in, in Missouri, and we're hearing that laws like that are being passed in Georgia and other states, in the South particularly, which basically make abortion illegal in those states. And they've been, the Republicans over the last 10 years have chipped away at poor women's access to choice. So, you know, the once, uh, you know, you know, basically the Hyde Amendment kind of brought a little balance to the issue in Washington. You didn't have to talk about choice. You could say, look, Democrats could say, I'm protecting Roe v. Wade. And Republicans were, would say, well, you know, at least I got 
Uh, no federal funding for abortion. I've, I've secured the Hyde Amendment, etc. Well, now that the Republicans are limiting women's access to choice, they're basically denying them their constitutional right to choice. That is there in the, you know, that that was established during Roe v. Wade. Now that agreement that, that, you know, that kind of agreement that's been there, that stabilizing force, which was the Hyde Amendment, makes no sense anymore. If you're poor in America and, 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 and you live in the South, you have no access to choice. So basically you're living in the 1960s before Roe v. Wade. So if you're going to be in that situation, if that's what the Republicans are allowing to happen within their party, then the Democrats have no choice when they take back uh, the, the Senate and the presidency then to eliminate the Hyde Amendment and provide access to women's choice and women's health care across the South. Because the Republicans are treating, you know, the Repub- the South is becoming like a third world country when it comes to women's rights, not just reproductive rights. And we see this all over the place. They've gone too far. They've got no choice. Democrats have no choice. If they truly support a woman's right to choose, the Hyde Amendment needs to go. And Biden made the right decision by uh, changing his position. And I know that that makes him look weak and maybe that hurts him in the general election. I don't know. But I think the case needs to be made that he is pro-choice and he wants to provide access. And he could talk about his faith and everything else he wants, and, and, and but he has to remind people that it's not the role of government to dictate morality. And that's why he's going to fight for a woman's right to choose and access there too. Because that is... Is, is what Roe v. Wade is all about. That's what this movement's about. It's about a woman's decision to make choices free of government interference. And the government is interfering in the South. You know, conservatives always talk about how they want smaller government. Yeah, they want so government so small it fits inside a woman's vagina. And that's what they're doing across this country where they have the opportunity to do that. So when the Democrats take control of both the House, the Senate, and the presidency, the Hyde Amendment should be on the chopping room floor. And it's time for that to happen. All right, let me talk about one more thing before we get to Ellis Hennigan. And I'm going to add a little bonus material today from my uh, radio show uh, that I did over the week. I had a pretty good rant. I'm going to put that at the end of this this podcast. So stick around for that. You might enjoy it. I got to talk about this straight pride parade being organized in Boston. Oh, and by the way, they've got Milo Leonakonis. I can never say his name right. You know who he is. Milo, the conservative provocateur. Homosexual himself will be the grand marshal of the parade. I always say that, um, you know, I said this a couple of years ago when the Catholic League applied for, uh, a uh, you know, a banner in the gay pride parade that said straight is great. I've always thought that the one community not represented in the gay pride parade was closet cases. And I'm glad that this straight pride parade gives closet cases a chance to show who they are. Come on out of the closet. Show that you're out there. Because why else would you really care? I, I saw the guy who's running this. I think I think it's called the America Super Happy Fun something nonsense. I saw this guy who's running the parade. Looks like he hadn't been laid you know, in the last 15 years. And I'm not trying to shame him or anything like that. I don't know if he's gay, but why do you care? Like, why is it such an offensive thing that people who have been oppressed, who have been beat up, who have been humiliated, who have been denied their rights for so long, and yes, now they have more rights, and now most of America doesn't care. But why is it so offensive to you that they have their own day? I I mean, really? Do you uh, have a non-Irish parade because you're you're non-Irish and you don't like the St. Patrick's Day parade? Why is this your thing? I think it's your thing because you think about it too much. And I think you might want to just really get in touch with yourself. Because I think this is more about you and about your feelings than it is about anything else. So good luck with your parade with Milo, who really I think is a performance artist. And at some point, he's going to end that performance art. 
and he's going to say how he's been conning conservatives forever. And I hope he does that at your parade. He's made a living conning conservatives. He's a flamboyant homosexual who will be leading your parade. And that's great. God bless him. But it's time, you know, super happy, fun, straight pride day parade, guys, for you to really get in touch with yourself and ask yourself, why do you care so much about gay rights and gay pride? Why do you care? I'll tell you why. Well, maybe I shouldn't tell you why. All right. I got Ellis Hennigan joining me on the other side of this break. Stick where you are. You're listening to Aggressive Progressive with Chris Hahn. I should just give a little explanation, though, of this clip. At the beginning, you hear me talking to him about callers from my radio show. The interview was on my radio show. Uh, It's a little cut off the beginning because I have some proprietary stuff and you just get me when I bring in Ellis. Uh, But I had a lot of uh, conservatives calling who didn't want to get on the air. They would just call and yell at my call screener. So that's what it's about. That's from the Chris Hahn radio show. Anyway, stick around. Joining me right now, though, great guy, one of my favorite guests, Ellis Hennigan. You know him. He's an author. Uh, he used to be a columnist at Newsday. That's where I first met him. He is on every television and radio program across this great land, and he's a regular guest on the Chris Hahn Show. Ellis, how you doing? It's so nice to be on the Human Anatomy program. <laughs> my goodness, I'm... I'm I don't know whether to cross my legs or stand up. I don't. I'm. I'm, I'm you make me uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know. I think I may be the only progressive in America that will tell people to grow a pair. I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, maybe it's just because I grew up on Long Island in Center Reach, and that's how we talked. Uh, but it, I, I do find it funny that a guy is willing to pick up his phone, call my radio station. Yell at I, I mean the guy working my board can't be more than twenty tonight. He's an intern. My my producer's sitting there teaching this new guy how to do it, right? And, I'm Nineteen. And he's eighteen years old, and he's getting yelled at by by <laughs> you know by grown men who who you know are in their cars who decided to pick up the phone. And it wasn't just one; it was multiple people in the last half hour called and yelled at him. They didn't want to talk to me because I would have made them look like idiots because they are idiots. And uh, but they but they yelled at him and they didn't want to talk to me. So it just got me a little pumped up. Well, Ellis, you know, as long, as long as this fine young man is wandering into radio, he might as well get the baptism by fire. Exactly. Sure this is his first night it. working aboard and this is what he gets. And my producer Mike's <laughs> sitting there laughing because it happens to him every single week. <laughs> so anyway, Ellis Hennigan Ellis Hennigan, one of the greats of of political commentary. How are you tonight, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great. I mean, there's so much to talk about. This is these are the glory days. We're going to look back on this uh, and, and say, when will it happen again? Yeah, right. It's the golden era of political punditry, right? Because really no, you don't even really have is. to prepare anymore. You just have to just. It really is. You just got to watch this here's guy. He's test. crazy. Here's here's my test. People who would not normally care one bit about this. Have opinions on all, yeah, I, you know, and you know me, having been through the, the the Clinton years and the Bush years, the Obama years. I mean, all interesting in their own ways, but never was the interest as broad based as it is right now. It's truly impossible not to have an opinion. Yeah, and everybody is talking about it all the time, and it, it, it. I just judge it by the fact that I'm getting recognized everywhere now. I I've been doing television. Uh, for for ten years, nobody ever said you know. I maybe four times a year, somebody say, "Hey, I see you from TV." <laughs> now it's like four times a day, and you know it's yeah. crazy. Now what I want, what I want, Chris, is you get the thing that I often get, which is people coming up very nice, friendly. Almost always, they're they're they're, they're lovely, always people. friendly. But 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 they almost always begin the conversation with you know, I don't agree with a lot of the things that you say. But you seem like an okay. Guy. Yeah, they say the same. Did you get that? They say that every that? single time. They say, "I love seeing you on Fox News." I don't agree with anything you say. You know, I, I always say I feel like the um, I feel like the sheriff in Blazing Saddles when the woman gives him the apple pie and she says, "You will have the good decency not to tell anybody I said hello." Right? I feel like that's what they're trying to say. You know. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I, you know what? I, I think it's nice. I appreciate it. I appreciate I, it, I, too. Sure, I, I appreciate I'm it. I'm sure there could become a point in pain, and neither you nor I are there, but it come a point where it's, oh, it became a bother, a hassle. Can't you see I'm eating? I have to say, I really enjoy talking to people. I do, too. I enjoy it every time it happens. I've never had a bad experience with knock on wood. Uh, people have always been nice. 
And even people who disagree with me, sometimes they want to have a playful debate with me. Sometimes they debate me and they change their mind, uh, which which is it's, it's interesting too. When you really have a conversation with somebody, uh, I think you could change their mind because I think people are are not getting all the information they should be getting. So speaking of information that people should be getting, uh, yes. so I, I think the vice president, former vice president Joe Biden, listened to the first twenty minutes of my show because he's changed his mind on the Hyde Amendment <laughs> within the last half hour. You know, it's really interesting, isn't it? I, I don't. I, it's probably just the result of the politics of the situation. I mean, one of the realities, and, and frankly, I sort of feel for Biden in this stuff. He's got such a long record. He's been part of public life for what nearly, really, nearly fifty years, yeah. and well, 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 more than forty. Yep. The world has changed in a lot of different ways over that time. He's done a, quite a really good job of rolling with these changes as they've come, but he does have a record that goes back say, half a century. So, so you know, there are things that people believe 20 and 30 and 40 years ago that people just don't believe so much anymore. Right. And it, dealing with that is politically difficult. Yeah. And that's that's going to be his biggest challenge, at least in the primary. I think in a general election, it's a strength. I, yeah, it, some, 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 some of it may have. I mean, I have to say, I don't you know, take the crime bill, for instance, right, which is something that is certainly by the light of uh, there are aspects of that uh, that, that Clinton-era uh, tough crime bill that are kind of indefensible. I mean, right, there were right. attitudes, particularly about juvenile crime and some other things, and, and, and long prison sentences. That, that thank goodness we've moved past as a society. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of lives ruined. But that said, you could not be in politics in those years and not recognize that there was great public fear about crime. There were, there were genuine concerns about it. There were people who were groping for answers to it. And it doesn't make you a monster that you thought that, uh, you know, some 16-year-old did an armed robbery ought to go to grown-up prison. Right, right. It, look, it was, it was people were, were dealing with what was in front of them at the time. And it's very easy to look back and say, oh, they were just evil people. But, you know, they, they might have had yeah. good intentions in doing this, and it just didn't work out that way. Well, I want you to name for me a politician in 1985 who was in favor of gay marriage. Right. Not many. I mean, if you if you were in politics in 1985, you were not a supporter of marriage equality. Right. It's just the reality. You know, we have progressed as a people. Take Use that word progressive, right? Right. The notion that we're going to be better tomorrow than we are today. And I just think that's a reality. And, and by the way, the, Ellis, this is what Joe Biden should be saying. When he's out on the campaign trail, we are progressives. It means we're not standing still. We're learning from our mistakes. The difference between us and them is they don't want to learn from their mistakes. They want to go back. Yeah, good line. And you'll say, and you know what? I'll be smarter tomorrow. Right, right, right. And I hope he starts talking like that. And I hope, actually hope he starts talking in general. I mean, the, the guy's been hiding, don't you think? He has been. I, listen, I think that he might have even surprised himself the strength with which he came out of the gate. Uh, clearly, I mean, this this is not that hard to understand. Democrats want to beat the president, right? Right. I mean, they want to win. They and you gauge your eyes across these four hundred and seventeen candidates, right, whatever right. the current number is. And you know what? I mean, they're all pretty good. You know, maybe you like this one a little more than you like that right. one, but they're all. They are all miles, miles better than the guys who's in the job right now. And so I do think for a lot of Democrats, the question really is, which one of these people is likely to win? Now, that, that, that's not an easy equation. You can't always just play defensive in that way. Sometimes politics does involve excitement and inspiration, right. and revving folks up, and all those things matter. But in the end, it is not an unreasonable view to say, I want to win. Yeah. And I think that's look, if you look at every poll, it shows that that Democratic primary voters care about one thing more than anything else. And that's beating Donald Trump. They don't care. They, yeah. they don't even care that they agree with the person. They just want somebody who could beat Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. And the philosophical differences. Let, let, let's be honest. I mean, there are differences and people who follow this stuff closely can give you the nuances of, of how Cory Booker's housing policy, you know, right. differs from a from, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren's, and there's some legitimate and interesting conversations you can have about that. But let me tell you, they're all a whole lot closer to each other than they are to the man. Oh, completely, right completely, completely. Did you see this Texas poll that came out today that had Biden beating yeah, Biden Trump? Had, yeah. And it had Elizabeth Warren only down by one point. 
Yeah, I boy, I you know, I guess it's true. I have been, I have had false expectations raised on Texas quite a few times over yeah. the years, and yeah. maybe I'm a little shell shocked on that particular state. I think Texas is like Pennsylvania. Texas for Democrats is like Pennsylvania right. used to be for Republicans. And Repu- you tell me who won? Who won Pennsylvania? Yeah, in yeah. Donald Trump you know? won Pennsylvania you know? in 2016, and then the Democrats took it back in 2018. But Trump won it pretty big in 20. Not pretty big. He won it by 20,000 votes. Well, so I don't think it's won. without. I don't think it's it's beyond the the question that. Texas could go for a Democrat. They just got to make sure people can vote. I think the problem with Texas is that Texas is one of the lowest turnout states in America. And if you could get uh, a bigger turnout in Texas, you have a chance, you know, so we'll see what happens there. Interesting stuff going on in this campaign. Obviously, uh, you know, the president gives them new fodder every single day. He's across the pond. Uh, I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's showing the best side of American politics when he's over there. How about what do you think? No, l- let me let me issue one moment of praise though. I did watch the D Day speech this morning. Yes. Did you see it? Mm-hmm. It was really pretty good. It was really pretty good. It was a well written speech, poorly delivered by a man who right. can't read. <laughs> right. I don't know if he believes a word of it. Right. I don't. I mean, I I, I believe he didn't write it. Oh, clearly uh, didn't write it. But but I have to say, it was a it was a a presidential level speech. Now, you know, could Barack Obama have delivered a better one? Maybe, you know, could, but, 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 but it was, a, it was, it was not embarrassing. Right. Now, right. I realize that like the bar is so low for this guy. Just Correct. don't embarrass us. That's like something you tell your five year old. Just don't Correct. embarrass me. It's just, it, it surprises me even that I'm saying this, but, but, it, but it really, it was a, it was a decent speech. And you know? I really don't have any criticism of it. Now, the rest of the thing, why do you have to go over there and, uh, you know, go to war with the mayor of London to make fun of the princess. Right. And, uh, use the D-Day to, 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 to play out your own little political battles back home. I, I mean, all of that was just. Yeah. Nuts. I mean, he's doing an interview with Laura Ingram, right? You know, that, that that'll air in a little while uh, that, you know, he's basically taking shots at everybody, taking shots at my former boss, Chuck Schumer, uh, at Nancy Pelosi. You know, Nancy Pelosi's over there. She's not taking shots at him. She's particularly avoiding it, specifically avoiding taking shots at him while she's over there. Yeah, it's just, I, I mean, it's just, it's embarrassing, really. Uh, could, I, I, but, but, here's the, but there's another disturbing piece of this, Chris, is that there are aspects of uh, England and other parts of Europe and indeed other parts of the world where the, 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 the sorts of populist impulses, the... The feel, strong feelings about immigration, right. the rising nationalism. You know, I had all my all my international friends just for the last couple of years pointing fingers at me and saying, "Hey, what's wrong with your country?" Well, you know, some of that stuff is spreading. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it's a shame that it's spreading. You know, and you see it rising. I mean, you see you saw that woman uh, Marie Le Pen almost get elected in France. She didn't win. She got yeah. pushed back. You see no. what's going on in, in, in Great Britain, particularly with this Brexit stuff. They can't shake this Brexit. And, and, and you know, who knows what's going to happen next with their new prime minister. It, it is a uh, it's a shame what's going on over there right now. But, you know, I, I got to believe, Ellis, that this too shall pass. Right. I think we've got to be coming to a point where where that has peaked at this point. Yeah, I would say it's peaked in America. Um, but they may be a couple of beats behind us in some of that stuff. Well, listen, listen, there is always an audience for prejudice. There is always yeah. an audience for scapegoating. There's always an audience for blaming whoever the freshest wave of immigrants. And, you know, we have a history in our country, and, and, and I suppose in, in the politics of other of other democracies around the world, of, of people effectively playing to that. I mean, right. it's really, it is deep inside the hearts of human beings, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's a shame. It's it's absolute shame. And, and now he's going to come home and he's going to implement tariffs on Mexico because they're not doing a good enough job at stopping people who are seeking asylum from crossing their border. I, yeah, I, it's it's interesting. I, I, you know, you think the Republicans are going to stand up on this thing? I, I mean, they're getting closer. It feels like, but boy, they keep disappointing us, don't they? Well, you know, it is a tax. 
and they don't like taxes, right? So I think the Democrats need to stay on mess- message. And every time they talk about the tariffs, they need to call it a tax because mm-hmm. that's what yeah. it is, a tax on the American people. It's not like Mexico pays the tariffs. The people who buy the products in the United States pay the tariffs. It's a tax. It's a tax on working yeah. Americans. Every, every, every dime you got in the Trump tax cut is gone 10 times over if you're a working class American by what's going on here. Yeah, I did notice even Walmart put out a rather direct statement about that, saying that they we're going to have to pass on some of these costs. So I, it's just it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's not going to solve the problem. It hurts us more than it hurts them. It uh, has to be responded to in this tit for tat way. That's right. Very difficult to control. I mean, I you know I think it's hurt the stock market. I think the China stuff has bled into the Mexican things. It's a uh, I, I don't know. I don't know any economist who, who thinks it's a good idea. You know, and, and he's. In the middle of of trying to get this new NAFTA thing approved, you know, I call it yeah. new NAFTA, like new Coke. Uh, it's yeah. it's it's a you know, how would anybody enter into a trade deal with this country knowing that this is the way this man will react? Yeah, well, you 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 really can't. I mean, listen, it is absolutely true that there have been victims of globalism, right? I mean, there are people whose livelihoods and futures have been hurt by the reality that we are a that the globe continues to shrink right. and that people trade back and forth. Right. But the answer to it, I just don't believe it. And this is something maybe I share with traditional Republicans. I don't believe that the answer is to is to throw up huge taxes or to build big walls. Somehow or another, we've got to be smarter and figure out. I've always been for global trade. It's it's one of the places I've parted ways with, you know, traditional progressives. I've I've I think people who trade with each other don't bomb each other and I'd rather rather have that happen. All right, I got a few more minutes left with you. I want to talk about impeachment because that's gonna be on everybody's Mm -hmm. minds in the next couple of weeks. The president has been avoiding congressional oversight, avoiding the constitutional check. Uh, you know, where is this going? Because I seem to, th- I, I have been saying, you know, end of the summer, if he's not cooperating with Congress, they must impeach him because you can't, you can't do this anymore. You know, I, I'm for going down the road. But let, let's acknowledge a couple things that we know to be true. One is he's not going to be removed from office by the by the. And I think Senate the Democrats have got to make that very clear. We don't expect him to right. be removed because the sheep right. in the Senate won't remove him. Right. There is no. There is that can't be the goal. And so the game for the Democrats is to set up the equation in a way that that is not the test. Right. Because that's a test you will lose. So you've got to say that you know we're doing this because it's our obligation. We're right. doing this because it's a, it's a, it is a platform to bring this stuff into public right. because it gives us greater legal and, uh, and subpoena powers. And, right. And frankly, the ability to focus the media on it in a more, yep. in a more effective way. So you've got to, to articulate the terms of what it is that you are doing, because yep. if, if, if all it is is you impeach and then and then and that there's no way to win it in the Senate, that's a defeat. So you got to find a way around that language. I think that you got to go through the path, go through the motions, have the hearings, lay out the case to the American people, and then table it. Because if they if now, they send about, it to the Senate, it's never going to get vote. It's the you know McConnell will ram it through like he rams everything through, and it'll be a quick uh-huh. vote to you know vindicate the president. Yeah, but, you know, if you're going to do it, there may be a reason to make them vote. I don't know that you don't act, because then you're kind of choking, well, aren't you, a little Well, bit? we got to see where where the public is at the end of the process, right? So if the public at the end of the process is like, impeach the guy, remove the yeah. guy. You know, if, if, if removal goes from 49% to 60% over this time, and then the Senate doesn't remove him, you're going to make a few Republicans have to vote to remove him. You're going you're gonna to make, you know, Republicans in purple states have to make a tough vote. Either they're with yeah, the president is, or against them. That is true, but Chris, I don't think you want to hang your argument on the pole here. I think you want to say, this is the right thing to do. Here's the evidence. Here's the justification yep. for it. Here's the obligation for us to act under these circumstances. And to say, well, is it 45%? Is it 55%? I don't, I, I don't think that's the way you want to make a decision like that. Do you think they're going to go there, though? You think they're really going to do it? You think Nancy Pelosi lets it happen? I would guess right now that it probably does not, hmm. and I'm not, and I'm not even sure that she's wrong on the politics. Uh, I'm, I'm talking more about sort of what I feel is the right thing to do. Right? Why do you say but that? It's risky. It's risky. I, I mean, I think the guy is, is, has, has clearly committed serious offenses as the president. 
I think he's obstructed justice in ways that are egregious. And I think you got to do something because otherwise there is no oversight. I, that's exactly what I think. I think it's time for them to do their job. And I think the okay. American people sent them there, uh, you know, as much as everything else they campaigned on to be a check on the president. That's why they do that. And uh, frankly, if he was a Democrat and it was a, the shoes were on the other foot, the Republicans would have impeached him months ago. This is nonsense. All right, Ellis, I'm running out of time with you. You are one of my favorite guests. Ellis oh, Hennigan, check him out funny. at Hennigan on Twitter. He's one of the best authors you will ever write. He's got a book out right now with Chris Christie called Let Me Finish. Ellis Hennigan, thank you so much. Good to be with you, Chris. Excellent. All right, that's Ellis. Great guy. Great interview. Great author. Check him out at Hennigan on Twitter. I'll be right back with a little extra from my radio show. Stick around. All right, so let me set this clip up a little bit for you. I got a caller who was, uh, you know, being a bit of a wise ass. He asked me a question about um, why I had never been invited to the White House, which actually is not true. <laughs> uh, and I went off on a rant uh, about Trump and how he's dividing people. Friends can't talk to each other. Families He's just mixing it up every single day. So here it is. Give it a listen. And as for the invite to the White House, my friend, um, you don't know that I wasn't invited to the White House. Okay. And I have lots of friends who I worked with at Fox News who work at the White House who have invited me there. And the president watches me every Saturday night like you do on Justice with Judge Janine at 930 on Fox News. He watches the show and at one point in time used to say I was his favorite progressive. Probably not anymore. Okay, because, you know, look, when he got elected president, Mike, you were here. You were here. You were working the board that night. The night after he got elected president, I was sitting at this microphone and I said, good luck, Mr. President. I am with you till I'm not. Of course, you never gave me a reason to ever come support you. You've only given people who voted for you more of what they wanted. Right? You were there. 100%. Yeah. I, I, I was, and I said it on television. I said it on television. I tipped my hat to you. You were the president of the United States. You won fair and square. Congratulations. Don't let me down. Yeah, just don't mess this up. Don't mess it up. And in my opinion, you've messed it up. And, and you know, you've messed it up. And now... I feel like you're you're having a temper tantrum every single day. So yeah, there was a point in time where that president heard that, knew that I said that, 100%. respected me for that. Yeah. Okay, and and by the way, I want to respect him. I want him to succeed. I was never rooting against the guy, not once. I'm a patriot. He's the president. I want him to do good. I want him to reach out to me. I want him to reach out to people who didn't vote for him. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen anymore. We got a president who is obsessed with people who disagree with him because he's never had to hear disagreement in his life. He has been sheltered from people who would work against him. Sheltered his entire life by his dad, by the people who worked for him, who by the 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 the, the flax and lackeys who surrounded him in his business. You think that there weren't people who did business with Donald Trump who didn't like doing business with Donald Trump? They hated him. He never knew it. Nobody ever told him. Now he's president of the United States and he's got to hear schmucks like me. Just a guy with a microphone. Who am I? Some kid from Center Reach. I didn't grow up. I wasn't rich. Well, I didn't talk on the radio these days. Yeah, didn't anybody talk on the radio except for James from Calverton. He talks too much. Uh, it's It's, you know... Now he's got to hear from me. He's got to hear from other people. Go. Oh, he's got women criticizing him, including the most powerful woman in the world, Nancy Pelosi, criticizing him to his face. Let me explain something to you, America. This president hates his job. He doesn't like this job. He doesn't want this job. And the only reason he wants to run for reelection is he thinks he'll be a failure if he doesn't. I got news for you. If there is a poll later this year or early next year that has him in dire straits, one or two things is going to happen. 
He's going to try to cancel the election because he's freaking crazy. Or he's going to drop out. He's going to say, what do I need this for? I'm going to just lose. And I'm going to be embarrassed. And he's going to leave the Republican Party high and dry. Okay? Because he doesn't care about the Republican Party. He doesn't care about evangelical Christians and their stupid goals of bringing theocracy to the United States of America. He does not care about you. Cares about one person and one person only, himself. He doesn't care about his kids. He doesn't care about his wife. And he doesn't care about America. He cares about Donald J. Trump. And if I was him and I had all his money, I wouldn't take this so seriously. I would let people criticize me and I would do what I had to do. And I would try to reach out to, to people who didn't vote for me and try to convince them that they didn't convince them like Obama tried. I tried. He hasn't tried. He's never tried. I tried. I reached out. I said good luck. I wished him well. I didn't root against him. And I'm not president. I'm sorry. When you're the leader of the free world, when you're the president of the United States, you need to have some grace. You need to have some grace. You need to handle yourself with dignity. You need to rise above the fray. Answer me this, conservative America. Has this man risen above any fray? Ever? In this entire presidency, has he ever just let something go? A criticism? A slight? A small criticism? A minor criticism from a minor person? He's let nothing go, America. He's held on to everything. He eternalizes. He's got the thinnest skin I've ever seen in my life. We saw this picture of a fish that has translucent teeth. That's like Donald Trump's skin. See-through. Thin. He hurts. Everything hurts him. Everything bothers him. Everything requires his response. You are the president of the United States. That used to mean something. That used to mean you didn't have to respond to every schmuck on Twitter. You didn't have to get all bent out of shape when Morning Joe says something bad about you. You think they never said anything bad about Obama? I know you think that the media loved Obama. I'm sorry. I worked in the media all eight years of the Obama presidency. And you know what? They didn't love him the way you think they did. They were very critical of him. They were critical critical for him over small things, little things. Like he wear like like once he wore a tan suit. Do you remember the media outrage about Barack Obama wearing a tan suit? Remember when he saluted while holding a coffee cup? Saluted the Marines who he sees every single day. Remember the outrage? And it wasn't just Fox News' outrage. It was on CNN and MSNBC and everywhere you turned. You, they're criticizing for obstruction of justice. Playing footsie with dictators like Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin and MBS in, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I don't know, valid criticism? Maybe they're, they're criticizing you for a failed child separation policy that never thought through how to reunite the kids with their parents. Nobody ever gave that any thought. You're getting criticism about it because you're the president. And it was your policy. The buck stops with you. Not small things, Mr. President. Not small things. Not small thing. They criticized George W. Bush for playing too much golf. You criticized Barack Obama for playing too much golf. You've played more golf in your first two years than Obama did in eight years. You're playing golf right now somewhere. Small things. You don't get criticized nearly enough, if you ask me. Because there's so many big things. You haven't filled your... You have so many acting secretaries and undersecretaries and deputies. You haven't even filled your government. Because nobody wants to come work for you. You can't find quality people because their careers get destroyed by the stench of your administration. Nobody wants to hire them when they leave. It's nonsense. Wake up. You're not cut out for this. You don't need it. If I had your money, I'd be playing golf in Scotland every single weekend 
on my private jet. And I would, in the, in the winter, I'd go down to Brazil. I'd play a little golf there. I'd go to Hawaii. I would have fun and enjoy life, especially at your age. How many more years, Mr. President, do you think you could play from the tips? How many more years are you going to play from the tips? I mean, I know you think you're invincible. But, you know, take a look at a picture of you from 10 years ago and take a look at a picture of you now. How long do you think you have left? to play from the tips. That means the furthest part of the golf course. I mean, it's going to be Texas scrambles from you from now on, sir. Right? So why not, instead of ruining this country for four more years and dividing people so that you you feel good about it, that your supporters rally behind you, why not just go enjoy life? Why not just go enjoy life? Go enjoy your beautiful, you know, condo, your beautiful apartment in Manhattan, if they let you back into Manhattan. I don't know if that's there for you anymore. I think you're going to have to move to Alabama. Go enjoy Mar-a-Lago. Go enjoy your Scottish resort, which I hear is beautiful, frankly. You know, I'm not going to criticize it. I hear it's beautiful. Go. Go play golf there. You should go do it now. Go now. Take the plane. Stay there. We don't care. We'll be fine without you. Stop tweeting. Stop looking at it. Stop answering every single criticism that comes your way. Relax. You're rich. You're rich. Life should be easy for you. This is hard. You're not cut out for it, Mr. President. You are not cut out for it. And I'm sure you're not having fun. I see it on your face. I see it on your face, sir. You are not having fun. And I've met you, man. I have met Donald Trump multiple times in my career. And I got to say it, and everybody hates it when I say it. When I met him, he was very charming. Very nice to me. This isn't making you happy. I could tell. I could tell it doesn't make you happy. It's not satisfying you. What you wanted was to win. Well, you won. Governing is hard. You know, there's a line in Hamilton, winning is winning is easy. Governing's harder. And you're finding that out. And you got people pulling you in directions and asking you to do things that you have no idea what they're talking about. And they are using you for their own gains. Number one on that list is Mitch McConnell. Number two on that list is Mick Mulvaney, your acting chief of staff. Guy's been acting chief of staff now for a year. He's got acting directors, acting secretaries, acting, because he doesn't want to hire anybody because he wants to be able to just get rid of them. You can get rid of them anyway. You can get rid of them anyway. Why are they acting? Put them to Congress. Let's, let's vet them. The whole thing has got to be driving you crazy. It's driving America crazy. It's driving me crazy. I'm ready for this to end. I mean, this look, I get it. It's the golden age of punditry. I'm having more fun. I'm getting more no I'm getting more looks. More people following me on Twitter. More people seeing me on television. More people listening to the radio show and the podcast. I get it. It's been great for me. It's been great for my career, but it's not great for America. I don't know how much longer we could take this. People are fighting with each other who they people are fighting about politics every single day. Everywhere you go, people are arguing with each other, arguing with friends that they've had for years. I was talking to a friend of mine today from high school who was telling me about a fight he got into on my Facebook page with some people who were supporting me. He was making a joke about politics with me, and people got into it with him. And he said, one of the people who he got into with, he went to kindergarten with. And that person isn't talking to him now because of a fight he had on my Facebook page two years ago about Donald Trump. Mike, could you believe this? This is true. This is a true story from today. Your mic's broken again. You know, can you believe this is happening? I don't, I don't, I mean, this is, this is happening every single, this is not an isolated incident. This happens all the time. People are fighting. Families don't talk. Because they can't talk about politics. I I can't talk about politics with people in my own family. I'm having issues with people in my own family. It is a nightmare caused by one man. The only thing he's really, really good at is capturing attention. He's been doing it since the early 1980s and he's great at it. 
and he's caught all of our attentions and all we ever talk about is him. I remember when I used to get reporters to come on to talk about a story they were talking about, about something interesting on the fringes of politics. Not anymore. I don't have to do that anymore. All I got to do is come in and talk about what Trump did on the way into work. That's all I got to do. All I got to do is talk about what he did today because every single day it changes and every single day, it's bonkers. Used to give me write-ups. <laughs> yeah, remember I used to do there. an outline? I haven't yeah. done an outline in a year. I used to have an outline, some clips. I can't plan a show anymore. I can't plan a show the night before, 24 hours before. Are you crazy? Everything's going to change. I used to get booked on television shows a week in advance, and two days in advance, they'd give me the topics five years ago. Nine 10 more. minutes before the show. Yeah, nine more. Uh, we'll let you know in about uh, 45 minutes before we go on, but be prepared. It might change, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just be paying attention to what's going on. It might change. That's where we are. That's got to end. This cannot last. It's time for a change. That's why he shouldn't run. That's why he might not run. And even if he does run, we can't let him win. So I thought you'd like that clip. Hope you did. I'll be back to wrap up the show right after this. All right. I'm back. Going to be another consequential week here at the beginning of the summer. I mean, I just want to go to a barbecue and not talk about politics. I think that's part of the problem. I mean, I I guess that's my curse being a nationally known political pundit. All my friends want to talk politics with me. It's, uh, you know, I love talking politics. That's why I do this. I just wish we could talk about issues again. I wish we could disagree on substance more and not just on this nastiness. That is what politics is today. It's just nasty. I mean, the president uses the word nasty all the time. He is nasty. He's the, you know, psychologists call it projection. He projects on everybody. Take a good look at it, America. Take a good look at it. Anyway, I got to just remind you, as always, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me, but especially him, especially the president, Seek the Truth America. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Follow me on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn. Tweet at me if you got something to say or ask. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. Your business was humming, but Now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work. Tasks are taking forever to complete. And getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers. 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. 
Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 